You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Clore. Joining me as always is Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's the late night going over there on the East Coast? Well, it's uh, about 11.30 for you, but it's almost 3 a.m. for me. Uh, but that's okay, though. Uh, I love being in New York City that never sleeps. I went to grad school here. only have the best memories, and so it's kind of uh, actually fitting to be up at this time here in New York. Yeah, it's it's thematic. You know, you got to at least pull one all-nighter regardless if you're over there, I guess. <laughs> just a rem- reminder of the old uni days. So. Well, I'm just ho- hoping, though, I can uh, uh, finish some work after we talk and get up early enough so I can get back uh, down uh, to the East Village and maybe go to Veselka. So. There you go. For anyone that understands what he just said, that's completely gibberish to me. I have never been on the East Coast, so maybe well, one day, Shang. <laughs> basic, basically, uh, I'm about uh, uh, 30 minutes uh, uh, north of one of my favorite restaurants, maybe 20 minutes. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I would like to make it down there before the Sharks-Rangers game tomorrow. They don't have morning skate again tomorrow, so mm-hmm. uh, so it can – So, yep, yeah, so – so I don't have to I don't have to get over to Madison Square Garden in the morning, uh, but got a pretty late night uh, ahead of me. So besides this podcast, I'm also writing uh, sort of my game story. So there we go. And again, make sure you guys go and uh, go to SanJoseHockeyNow.com. Make sure you subscribe. You still got that sale price of twenty two ninety nine for an entire year's worth of coverage up. I do believe, correct, Shane? Yep, yep, All yep. Right. Uh, also, to have my uh, tip jar uh, still up. Uh, for uh, all my uh, travels and uh, yeah, uh, take 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 uh, uh, you know consider contributing to that and thank you everybody who has uh, contributed. So, all right, well, we're on limited time. We're both tired, and uh, you know the day isn't getting any uh, shorter or the night's not nope. getting any longer. So, on this week's episode, folks, uh, we talk about uh, obviously the things that are currently circulating in Sharks world or the Sharks universe. Uh, specifically Anna Kane's believability and the importance of keeping an open mind on the current Evander Kane saga news. Uh, We also talk about trade possibilities for the embattled winger and what it could possibly take to facilitate a trade uh, for all parties involved. Afterwards, Shang sheds light on Nikolai Knizhov's injury and his current status in that regard and what that means for the Sharks moving forward. And, of course, we're bringing back this week's after its uh, Thanksgiving hiatus, uh, the Sport Logic, Sport Logic, whoops, it's late, <laughs> the Sport Logic stats of the week. So make sure you guys stick around for that because uh, Sharks fans are pretty sure you're going to love it. So, Shang, I'm going uh, to leave the floor open. Obviously, we always like to note the date. It is both after and before the New York game, so figure that part out. <laughs> and we are recording this, like Shane noted earlier, uh, Pacific time. It's 11.46 p.m. currently right now, uh, post-Islanders, pre-Rangers. So, Shang, I'm going to leave the floor to you, uh, pun intended because of my last name, and take it away. Yep, it's a real pain, by the way, to get out to the Islanders' new arena. Beautiful as it is and uh, very loud. Uh, the acoustics are great there. So I did enjoy my time there, but uh, recording late partially because of uh, just how hard it is to get get out there and get back, uh, at least uh, afford- uh, affordably. So <laughs> hey, Maybe we can but. thank those acoustics for Timo Meyer being able to hear Eric Carlson on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> so. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, let's uh, uh, talk about... About um, Anna Kane and you know what's going on with her and Evander, and I think the the point that I I wanted to make uh, tonight, I want to talk about her believability, and 
there are fair questions about that. Uh, we've seen, of course, uh, her admission that she lied at first about her second pregnancy. And also, too, we've seen her gambling accusations uh, go nowhere. Uh, she accused Evander Kane of gambling on NHL games. And from the beginning, I thought that that seemed very tenuous just because of the gravity of of if he had done such a thing and what that would mean for his career. And even he, uh, I, I, I think, understands that. That's just my guess, at least, you know. Mm. And... So I, I I think I think that if we take a pause and we don't immediately believe everything she says, I think that's 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 fair and fine. I think that's yeah. that's legitimate. Uh, I think that um, you know I think I th- I think she strained that to some degree her believability, and she might have good reasons for it too. So I don't want to take take that away, but yeah. um, but uh, you know having uh, have having a doubt there's nothing uh, wrong with that. At least in my opinion, um, and like we said before, we believe both Nick and I. We believe victims first, and we both believed. I think Anna Kane at first, and but now that there's there's evidence that okay, maybe we can't believe everything the first moment. You know, she says it. I I, I think that's that's fair. And I think it's it's fair and and right of us to take take a pause there. Um, but I, the other thing I want to emphasize, though, is that it's not as simple as oh uh, she's lying about everything because I think that's what I see a lot online, mm-hmm. and I'm not really well. I can take guesses of of why why people have taken that that position, um, but yeah. I believe that position is very very wrong too. You um, can't bounce back and forth between those levels of extremities. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think you can. But I don't even know if it's people being extreme. It's just that people want to believe her, or they want to believe uh, Evander Kane. Mm-hmm. And there is, um, you know, that there, there is, this, you know, especially with with some of the things I've read recently from you know people who who who, who reply to me and whatnot, and. If you automatically tell yourself that she's lying about everything, just because there's a, a couple things that that she's lied about, then you you've jumped to conclusions too, and I think probably inaccurately. And I believe very much to keep an open mind, and that every charge she makes has to be explored and investigated in the most thorough and possible way. And I'm talking yeah. about everything. You know, yesterday there was a, a gun video that that surfaced, very disturbing uh, uh, at the surface of it. But yes, indeed, you know, uh, Evander Kane's defenders will say, "Oh, you can edit things, you know, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to to make him look bad." Uh, Evander Kane's agent said, claimed that it was uh, some type of photo shoot, though. We have no other evidence that it was indeed a photo shoot insofar as where are the photos for this photo shoot. But anyway, though, uh, that that's neither here nor there at the moment. Uh, but the point is, yes, you know, like uh, we keep an open mind. We can also keep an open mind the other way and say, yeah, um, uh, you know, the uh, videos indeed can be edited or whatever to make somebody look bad and, and, and whatnot. But on the other hand, though, with keeping an open mind also goes the other way. And that is, again, to treat every one of Anna Kane's accusations and claims in a very serious way and not to just dismiss it. And I think that that's what I've seen a little too much of, I think. And once again, and I keep repeating this, you know, I, I, I mentioned this so much. This is not the first time that Evander Kane has been accused of mistreating a woman. Nope. And to repeat again, in December 2015, he was subject of a sexual assault investigation in Buffalo. And this case is not closed yet. Uh, the victim in this 2015 uh, uh, investigation is now asking bankruptcy court to allow her case to proceed. So Kane's assets aren't, I guess, protected uh, by, his, by, by, by his bankruptcy. Um... In July 2016, he was also accused of sexual harassment. I think this one was settled out of court, so I think this is closed. But doesn't mean that that uh, Evander Kane is faultless in, in in this in this case. And then there's another ongoing case, um, the uh, Hope Parker's a claim against 
Evander Kane for allegedly uh, violating their abortion, pay for abortion agreement. And that is, again, still ongoing. And yes, you know, we don't really know anybody in these cases uh, from uh, Evander Kane to Anna Kane to any any of these people, really. But I do trend to, you know, I do I do lean toward, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And we've heard Evander Kane say it. We heard him say it in his press conference um, uh, after he practiced with the Barracuda on Tuesday uh, that he likes to say that he's a target because he's a celebrity. <laughs> and it's, I think people are, I mean, I've never been a celebrity, but I mean, to me, it's perfectly logical if you are a celebrity that you can be a target because you're rich, you're high profile. I, I actually, I actually do buy that that's possible. I don't, I don't think that that's, that's outlandish. But, you don't downplay yourself. You're definitely a celebrity. It's, uh, In San Jose not. Sharks community, you're a celebrity. I, I am not. <laughs> uh, but name another angel player that has four cases like this with four different women. So Crickets. either Vander Kane is the unluckiest guy ever, or he's somebody who has done wrong and keeps doing it, or it's a bit of both. And... Of those three options, I know which two I'd bet on. Hint, it's not the first one? It's not the first <laughs> one. <laughs> so he may not be every bit as 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 wrong or bad or, or as all these accusations uh, claim, and that's that's fine and well. But I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, maybe legally in some ways he's going to be cleared of, of everything, but uh, I think... Again, with with all with again with all all this all this smoke, it seems like there's something going on. And yeah, like I said, there's a chance that he may be the unluckiest dude ever. Just meets the wrong people over and over and over again. But somehow, I doubt that. There's a um, there's a thing that I like to live by. Is if you put good energy out into the world, you're supposed to get you know good energy back. You know, you don't. Doesn't seem to work that way for Vander Kane, at least or. Maybe he's just not putting the right energy out in the world. I'm not sure. So, I don't think there's much that I can really comment on in, in regards to his personal life. We, we've talked about it before, Shang, uh, when these allegations first came to light. And you said before, we, we side with the victims in the sense that um, they are, like we just said, they are the victims in the situation. But we also side with due diligence and we side with factual information overall. And um, the more facts that come out, I wouldn't say the more clear the picture gets painted, but things start to show up. And I think you do have a good point with uh, not questioning her believability, but just having that out there. You know, the fair questions, like you said, that are out there. And I think it's important for people to remain level-headed in, in regards to this because we're we're not living that life luckily you know for for me we're not going through that uh i'm sure there's plenty of people who are listening to this right now that have seen uh big nasty divorce cases and have seen very cordial divorce cases and everything in between and it doesn't seem like this is going to be one of those really cordial ones at all whatsoever um and Without diving too deep into one side or the other, I think it's just important for everyone to keep an open mind and to continue to believe the reports that are coming out and the facts, the proven facts. You can have your beliefs about a person one way or another, whether or not it's biased. I mean, it's it's you. You have that ability to have that opinion as a person. It's your freedom to have that opinion. But I would implore you to side with the facts um even if it goes against something that you may believe if you believe one side or the other um that's without getting too deep into it that's just what i want to reiterate um but now we want to shift focuses over to the hockey side of things um in the possibility of uh evander kane possibly getting traded because it does seem as though based on his comments during the Barracuda, the San Jose Barracuda uh, practice interview, the post-practice interview, and the, his media availability there, that 
that him and his agent have something in the works uh, in regards to a trade. Well, they hope they have something in the works. And uh, check out uh, Michael Gutnick's article on uh, Evander's uh, practice with the Barracuda on Tuesday. Michael did a, a great job. He uh, filled in for me because I was on the road. Uh, funny story about that. Uh, the road trip started with uh, myself and Curtis Pichelka of the Mercury News. And uh, right after that Chicago game, uh, he went straight back to San Jose to cover Evander Kane. <laughs> and oh. nothing, no, no, no criticism of that. Uh, you know, that's that's the big story. That's the big clicks. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I proceeded on uh, uh, to the uh, on the road myself, and uh, partly because I, I had a, a, a young reporter of uh, Michael Michael's coming quality in to fill in, coming in clutch, <laughs> yeah, for uh, for me. So anyway, Michael did a great job with that story. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, I've heard, too, that there is interest, but what I can't quite distinguish is if there's enough interest with the term. Uh, mm-hmm. Because once again, uh, even if the Sharks retain, uh, that's still you know $3.5 million, uh per year for this year and three more years after this year for a team. And uh, there's obvious interest in the player. You know, uh, uh, hate it or, or love it, that's just the, the the truth of the matter that a lot of teams are going to look away uh, or hope for the best, which is what the Sharks did in 2018. Maybe you know, try to see the bright side of of a player and say, yeah, those accusations that he's facing, those are wrong or unfounded or or whatever, uh, unsubstantiated. And so let's just go forward with this player because he's a really good player, and Evander Kane obviously is a very good player. Um, so there's obvious interest in the player, and there there will be uh, because he's such a high quality player. But mm-hmm. question though is uh, with the term. Uh, Ellie Friedman did say recently on a Jeff Merrick show, uh, very interestingly, it, and um, what he said was essentially that uh, the belief is that the Sharks and Evander Kane, if they're going to go anywhere with the trade, it's going to be. Uh, uh, three team, uh, a three way trade. Sorry, three way trade. And uh, Nick, uh, you found actually a really good example of how a three way trade could conceivably work, and how the cap hits get divvied up. Yeah. So in our uh, late night expeditions of re- salary retention, we stumbled across a, f- a familiar name that Sharks fans may hesitantly associate themselves with here, uh, Devin Dubnik. So uh, there's actually a an article on thehockeywriters.com involving NHL salary retention. It's a wonderful article. It was written back in 2015 by uh, Mike Colligan. Uh, oh, can I, I interrupt you there, uh, Nick? I just got to say, definitely. Devin, Devin Dubnik is going to be one of those guys, like, people are going to be like, wait, what? He played for the Sharks? Because, of course, he, he played – he didn't play the full season. He also played in the in the COVID season where there mm. were no Sharks fans allowed. And I, I'm going to – I think by the time Sharks fans were allowed back at SAP Center, the limited number that were, I think that Dubnik had been traded already. <laughs> so he's going to be one of those uh, – you know, he's had a great career, really, uh, all, all said and done, even though uh, he's not in the league right now. But, uh, but uh, anyway uh, – you know, he's going to be one of those like, who? <laughs> he was with the Sharks? <laughs> yeah, one of those uh, brief stints, obviously, like you mentioned. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, again, back to this article. It's a great article uh, written by Mike Colligan on thehockeywriters.com. And it's titled, How to Retain Salary Trades Work. And there's a whole list of jargon that I'm not going to say here because it would take too long. But the big key here is a real example. And he titled it, Devin Dubnik's Cross-Continent Travels in 2014. Uh, demonstrated a number of these provisions. So January 15, 2014, Devin Dubnik was traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Smashville Predators. <laughs> I like those jerseys, by the way. Oh, God, let's not talk about that. I, uh, I, I like them. They're, they're way better than the Tampa Bay Lightning ones, which is, again, just a very, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, I, 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 I like the boat iconography, you know, it looks great, but they keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's all variations of a theme from them. Like, figure out something else besides the boat thing, you know, like, I don't know, Lightning does 
it can be more than just that you know the 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 jagged lines of of, of a bolt and and also too smashville is way better than uh than jersey jersey and I, okay i know that that <laughs> I know that Smashville means something else, and it's it's a, you know a lot of sexual innuendo uh, and and whatnot, but it's also actually kind of like it kind of fits hockey. It kind of uh, you know it's I mean, I you know I think when when Nashville was referring to Smashville, they're not talking talking the the sexual part of it. I, it's I, just I was, the design, Shang. It's so. I bad. think it's <laughs> I think it's very in your face, which is what it should be for Smashville. I I I don't mind the design at all. You know what um, I wanted? I wanted '90s '90s font, '90s like breakaway brick font diagonally across the front. Smashville, <laughs> just well, jagged cut font. <laughs> maybe that that could be cool. But I uh, yeah, I actually my first look of it, I I liked them. I I liked how bold they were, and um, you know, I I. I yeah, I, 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 I thought it was it was it was uh funny, but um funny in a better way than the Jersey Jersey. So um so Well, that sound you hear, Shang, is all of our subscribers unsubscribing for your hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> um I don't think people subscribe for my jersey takes, so which is probably a good thing, so <laughs> Yeah, you know what you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> but back to the uh example of how this three way retention would work. So January 15, 2014, Dubnik was traded from Edmonton to Nashville. Edmonton retained 50% of his salary. Um, his total salary at the time was $3.5 million. Uh, so let's do the math here, ladies and gentlemen. That's $1.75 million retained by Edmonton. So now Edmonton is on the hook for $1.75. Nashville's on the hook for $1.75. In March of 2014, Dubnik was traded from Nashville to Montreal. Now, Nashville, under the current CBA agreements, was only allowed to retain 25% of his original total. Right, original salary. Original total. So it's 50% of that current hit, but 25% of the original total. Therefore, the Predators retained $0.875 million. So that means we're going to break it down. Edmonton's on the, whole, on the hook for $1.75. Nashville is on the hook for... 0.875 and now Montreal is on the hook for 0.875. Add them all up, your total amount is $3.5 million. So, how does this relate to Evander Kane? Shang just mentioned the three team trade being possible if the Sharks were to trade Evander Kane away to who, who were de uh, determining or naming the bridge team, the Sharks would retain 3.5 million of his seven over the next three years. That bridge team can then trade him to another team that is looking to use him for a playoff push or uh, not good PR, whatever it may be, um, preferably hockey, I'm presuming. And that trade would go through with that 25% retention rate on the bridge team. So that retention would be $1.75 million. And then the final team would be on the hook for $1.75 million as well. It's, it's key to note that if a buyout were to occur, each team is responsible for their respective retention. So the Sharks would be responsible for $3.5 million over at three years. At, yeah, at the buyout. Um, the, the second team would be responsible for $1.75 over three years. And then the third team would be responsible for $1.75 over three years or uh, the buyout yeah. six year six year period yeah the, the buyout gets gets doubled we're not going to get right. into that total but that's a, a a hypothetical if this situation were to occur so shang what's the key component of this trade uh, it seems to me thinking about it, that the key component then is going to be the bridge team and because once you get to the final team let's call it the playoff team or the team that vander king is actually going to play for mm-hmm you know, you're taking on a Vander Kane now at, you know, including this year and three more years after that at 1.75 per, which is, I think, I think, uh, I think a lot of teams probably could, 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 could swallow that or take that risk, um, because a buyout at at that amount isn't 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 too uh, too serious. I feel like I hear so, a hurricane coming. <laughs> so <laughs> I think then the question is the 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 middleman team. 
and who's gonna take take you know take on uh, this 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 money uh, this uh, you know this potential 1.75 uh, mm-hmm. for basically this year in the next three years and then what the sharks have to trade to get this bridge team to bite uh, because I don't believe that's something that the Sharks are, are going to be able to get away with without trading anything. But maybe it won't be as extreme as as uh, we had said or I had thought before, uh, mm-hmm. where where uh, a team is assuming another team is assuming the full freight, the full fifty percent, three point five million a year. Then it seems like the Sharks would have to send send more out to get rid of uh, Kane's contract, or uh, a team you know takes on the full contract. Then for sure we're talking first round picks and stuff like that. Yeah. But this bridge team is is not taking on quite as much. Uh, but the Sharks, of course, really want to get rid of uh, Vander Kane. I think that's pretty clear uh, in mm-hmm. how they've acted uh, toward him uh, since he's been eligible to come on suspension, and really for the last you know couple months, obviously. Um, so they didn't even wish him a happy birthday. Nope, they did not even wish him a happy birthday. Um, so uh, I, I think I, I, I think that uh, whatever the bridge team is, uh, they're obviously angling for their best deal, and they see a, a desperate team to some degree uh, in, in, in the Sharks. The Sharks are trying to be not quite as desperate by actually playing in Van Kane somewhere so they can show – that he's still in good shape and can still play and and whatnot. He's focused and also too he's going to follow all the rules and 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 whatnot. Or he's capable of doing that. Um, and so that's I think part of the reason why the Sharks uh, decided to showcase him uh, with the Barracuda instead of uh, just having him sit at home uh, and and do nothing because that I think was a, a possibility and seriously considered. Um, but. That's that's at least in their mind, and uh, you know maybe their hubris will catch up with them, and more accusations against Kane will pile up, and they're going to look real bad for even allowing Kane to uh, take a, a wear a Barracuda warm-up jersey or practice jersey. Um, so it may that. it may it may be bad PR and end, PR in the end for them, but I think in their calculation, uh, this keeps Evander away from an angel team, which is very clear that they want nothing. Uh, they don't want him to have anything to do with with the with the current Sharks team, um, but it allows it does allow him to kind of, I mean let's let's call let's call a spade a spade. It allows Kane, and this is sound, going to sound gross, but it's going to allow Kane to rehabilitate uh, his image uh, both on and off the ice. And obviously, his image on the ice doesn't need too much to work on because last year he still was an excellent player, but off the ice in terms of even. Uh, if we don't get into any of the stuff with Anna Kane or any other uh, lawsuits he's facing or gambling or bankruptcy, any of those matters. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of questions about just, you know, is he going to show up on time? Is he going to get along early. with teammates? Yeah, early. That's what he did in uh, the practice on Tuesday. Um, bewildered. And so things things like that will will polish him up a little bit, even if it's just the AHL. But they will polish him up a little bit for another team to 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 take on. And uh, I think that the Sharks will and have and probably deserve some some criticism for that. But uh, you know they're trying to do what they think is best for their franchise. And so uh, so I I can see that point of view, even if it does feel kind of. Um, Dirty in in, in some ways, first. if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah in, in some ways, right? So if we're going to yeah. be honest about it. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong there. I mean, they're trying to limit casualties essentially on their side, limiting the loss of assets while uh, trying to keep as clean of an image as they possibly can. I did read that full transcript of the uh, Joe Will interview, and a lot of his answers to the questions really uh, – made me laugh on some of those i thought that was pretty funny so what did um, you find funny uh i think the funniest part was we talked about him possibly not reporting and i believe that question was brought up to chill will and it's like not to be blunt or anything and i'm paraphrasing here he's like he doesn't really have a choice <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know i just thought it was a little funny i like joe will he, he's a, definitely a no-nonsense guy i can see why the sharks organization loves him so <laughs> well Top of your head, 
top three teams destinations for for uh, Vander Kane? You think you can throw out three? I already threw out one. Hurricanes. Um, yeah, the Hurricanes. I I wrote about that uh, a, a few days ago uh, off of uh, the Larry Brooks report that there was an Eastern Conference team interested in in Kane, mm-hmm. and I kind of did some some digging with my own sources and. Carolina does keep emerging just because uh, there is a belief and a credible belief that their owner really doesn't give a fuck. And so, you know, yes. whatever's going to give his team an edge and, uh, you know, like uh, efficiently, you know, smartly and uh, and uh, um, uh, under budget or, or, or whatever, uh, which is these all things that Vander Kane promises uh, with his uh, hockey playing ability. Um, that That's something that 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 the that that team uh, is charged to explore and i did find it interesting uh sarah sivian of the athletic asked don waldell if there was mm. interest you know it could be interest in a cane and he certainly didn't didn't deny it i think he said something like well we're happy with our team uh we're but, always looking to make improvements but we're right right you, you know and have. and we saw too and uh it's only one example of it on on this on, on this Hurricanes team, but obviously the Tony D'Angelo example, uh, where they didn't trade for D'Angelo, but they did wait for him to become a free agent, basically a very devalued you know asset, uh, and they signed him to one year, one million. Yep. And they may still kind of look at the Kane thing this way, where well, you know, maybe we just wait till San Jose buys him out, and we can get him for real cheap during the summer, you know, instead of having to even take the risk of years two, three, and four of uh, the remainder of Evander Kane's contract. Um, but, but I, definitely, if we, mm-hmm. if we brainstorm that really quick, I know we want to kind of wrap this up. Sure. Um, if they decide to do a buyout with Evander Kane, they're not responsible for shit. Over those, yeah, they're not responsible for that much, years. though, for sure. But so, still, though, still, though, you still, I mean, I'm look, sure they're like, weighing their options. Yeah, but look, I mean, look, like, like with with Evander, um, and you know, when Evander Kane finally leaves San Jose, there's going to be a lot of very fair criticism pointed at Doug Wilson, who we hope is doing well, by the way. But uh, yeah. th- that's not related to to any of this. But uh, but a lot of criticism at Sharks management for signing Evander Kane to a seven year contract when there were so many red flags be- beforehand. This was not yeah. one of the things where we're really all that surprised by everything that's maybe we're surprised by the volume of things that have transpired in the last few months uh with evander kane there's so many things that have happened you know it seems like every day there's something that that turns up and so maybe the volume of of uh of how much how much crap has piled up uh with with evander is surprising but but nobody's surprised that stuff has happened and very serious stuff and very stuff that's potentially very, very awful and very, very bad. Because guess what? We this we saw this in Buffalo. We saw this in Winnipeg. So anyway, so I think the same the same thing has to be said about the remainder of Kane's contract. That even if you do take it on for three more years and a cap, it's just one point seven five per year. Not a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. But is Kane going to get through that end of the contract without you wanting to buy him out? I you know, <laughs> I, I I think uh, uh, I think there's a good chance that, that if you're a team that that takes on the rest of Kane's contract, uh, based on his past history, by about year two, you might be like, you know what, uh, goodbye. Um, there's a good chance of that. Yeah. You know, we don't know. Maybe 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 uh, maybe Kane will be will be a better teammate and whatnot uh, wherever he goes. But uh, his history does not suggest that, that, that he's going to have a long shelf life wherever he goes. Yeah. And so if you're a Carolina, you just figure, well, I mean, he is a very good player, but we, we're a very good team. And we don't necessarily need him or his, or his headache. And, uh, and we can just maybe just, just sign him in this in a summer if he's bought out by the sharks and and we don't have to take take any buyout risk we just sign him to one year or two years you know kind of like the d'angelo deal right yeah. so i think that's sort of a calculation that some teams are making but anyway so carolina is a, is a good candidate because their owner doesn't care uh, about all the other you know uh the quote-unquote baggage stuff um uh, I, I did theorize uh, that a team that has a very strong locker room culture, like a Pittsburgh or a Washington, Ovechkin and Crosby, obviously, that maybe Kane walks into those places uh, a, a little more respectful of uh, the leadership there and the the winning culture there. Um, and so those places might be possibilities. It was brought up to me that Washington uh, is a team that 
plays in a style that fits Evander Kane. Uh, you know, the big, heavy, forward-checking kind of kind of team, fast. Uh, you know, you can see you can see Evander Kane. Uh, you know, if you just look at the pure hockey part of it, right? I know that's kind of hard to do, but you know, uh, you know, Wilson and Evander Kane on the same that team. that would be a, that would be a, a fun line to watch. I mean, honestly, on pure hockey sense, if you don't think about the if you take you know, the names off the jerseys and you put silhouettes via MLB sure, lockout style, exactly. Yes, yes, that's a very good one. Yeah, and you said, like, well, those that's a fun line to watch, whoever they're playing with, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and so and so so indeed, you know, that could almost be like a. I'm not sure if the wings work out, but I think I think Kane, yeah, Kane can play both wings. But you know, that could kind of be like what the Islanders had for years with Clutterbuck and Martin and the you know the 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 the, the four checking violence and how fun that line uh, was to watch except mm-hmm. you have legitimate skill too so you have you have that four checking violence and speed but you have you know two guys who can put 25 goals in um and so anyway so 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 Washington had was brought to me as an interesting candidate in that sense just because uh, stylistically they 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 might fit uh, Evander Kane on the ice, um, so right. yeah, so so That's so yeah, yeah. So I think I think I think those are some ideas. I I don't I I don't I don't really know just uh, because I I need to dig a little more into that uh, just because um, there's so much obviously with Kane. And of course, there's these new uh, f- fresh charges by Anna Kane, uh, which um, you know if if you're a team looking at that, you you do have to you. I mean, I would hope you would take a pause at least and at least. Do a, a modicum, a, a decent investigation to yourself before you take on a Vander Kane. But I may be giving an angel team too much credit there. But anyway. Yeah, come on now. Nice little brainstorm there. I liked it. I liked it. Um, I'm sure more will be coming out. But again, just off the top there, a couple of possible candidates. Hey, guys, we just want to take a quick moment to thank this week's sponsor, DraftKings. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, moving into our next segment, essentially. The Kinejov news. Now, Shang's got all the information on this because I'm not plugged in like he is, unfortunately. So, Shang, I'm going to let you take away on this Kinejov uh, injury update, essentially. Yeah, just something I wanted to, to give to you guys for listening. It's not like some, uh, some like, a huge huge breaking news uh insofar as yeah like you know one of the things that we haven't been able to figure out with Kanijov is a real timeline and uh we still don't have it you know when bob gave us uh like an estimated timeline i think it was about 10 weeks uh, and that's about five weeks ago but that was very and bob bugner was very clear to stress this too that this was a very estimated timeline this was not a hard time at all uh, just because of the, the difficulty, the challenges of Kinejov's injury. But what I can report, and again, I asked Bob about this a couple of days ago because I was curious. The reason why I was curious was because the Sharks are in New York, and Bob had said, I think, a week or two ago that Kinejov had been alternating his time from, I think, Arizona and New York. And it's because uh, Kinejov, uh, is his home base is in Arizona, and New York is where he got his surgery. So I just wondered if they had, you know, seen seen Nikolai or if he was around or whatever that that sort of thing. And uh, Bob said no, they hadn't seen him yet. But Bob did say that uh, Nikolai Knizhov, this is good news, is off his crutches. Uh, but uh, 
that is good to hear. But uh, still, no timeline with him. You know, his injury is still uh, is is still a very challenging one. We still I don't know exactly what the injury is. Um, but uh, regardless, it's a lower body injury that is very very serious, obviously, and 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 Nikolai uh, still you know still no real sense of when he'll be back on the ice. Um, you know, will he even come back this year? Who who knows? I mean, we are early enough in the year though, that I, I think I think there, I, I think he should come back, but you know who knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyway, uh, he is off his crutches though, so that is that is positive. And the second thing that Bob said that was uh, interesting was just that uh, Knizhov is going to start to be around the team more in San Jose mm-hmm. instead of kind of rehabbing on his own because, as Bob put it, uh, uh, Nikolai is bored. <laughs> so, so anyway so so that's once so that, his wig that's what it is <laughs> so anyway that that's your Knizhov update uh nothing uh earth shattering but the good news is that he is off his crutches and hopefully that's an important step uh, uh toward him coming back and i think one of the things that's promising if he's able to come back this year is that if the team stays as it is and how they've been playing, uh, that the Sharks actually uh, may be able to, to shuttle off Knizhov to the bottom pairing, and that actually maybe makes... That's a good problem. That could be a good problem to have. Good problem to have, and which you, you you couldn't have said with the Sharks' defense over the last couple of years. So the last couple of years and, just been problems. So, And let's give credit where it's due. Jake Middleton, what a man. <laughs> Because yeah. you're talking about going into this season with the big question mark of Kanijov's timeline. You know, speaking of Kanijov, and then now we add the hole to fill, right? And we talked about it on like our preseason final episode. Who could get that job with Eric Carlson? And I listed a few names off, and then you said, "Well, Nick, you forgot someone, Jake Middleton." And I was kind of like, eh, "I don't know, man. I don't know, Shang. I don't think he's gonna do it." And here I am. Eating crow happily, obviously. I'm happy to be wrong in these situations because the amount of great defensive plays I've seen from Jake Middleton over the course of this, just these last couple games, have just been incredible. So it's just great to see him blossom alongside elite talent like Eric Carlson. So It is great to see, and I I, I had to eat my crow Jake Middleton too. I, I thought there was no way he would make the team and at best that uh, he would be a seventh guy. Yeah, uh, fringe that, NHL or a fringe like... guy that you have around so so then you can give uh, what they're finally doing. Uh Santeri Hataka, they send him down, you know, let him play a lot with the Barracuda, which is what he should have been doing I think weeks ago. Uh Ryan Merkley obviously down there, you know, getting big minutes with the Barracuda. Well he's where he should be instead of being a seventh defenseman on an angel team and not getting any playing time. Mm-hmm. And that's where I thought a Jake Middleton uh, would be perfect for a spot like that because if Jake Middleton doesn't play, you don't worry too much about his development because he's an older player. But instead, though, a Middleton has far surpassed expectations and he is playing legitimate top four minutes. And I think it's a very instructive example of besides uh not uh not writing off a player too soon as we all did again all of us did including myself uh, uh with with uh, Jake Middleton <laughs> well no that's not even true too because Jack Jack talked about Jake in the past tense after he had seen him play more i'm not yeah, sure yeah, if yeah. if, if I may, maybe Jack was but i don't i'm not sure Jack was saying this last season you know when when Jake was with the uh, Barracuda so uh but you know credit to the sharks though the sharks kept kept Jake around. So the Sharks were seeing something and they've kept Jake around year after year. And But anyway, I think the other thing it speaks to besides not writing off a player too fast is how important it is to find a, kind of a player that clicks with you mm-hmm. uh, in a way that uh, that Eric, uh, Eric Carlson and Jake Middleton have clicked together and have complimented each other and sort of what Middleton is good at. Um, are not Carlson's strengths and what Carlson is good at aren't Middleton's strengths. And they've both sort of complimented each other and they, they make each other look better out there. And just how important it is to find that chemistry and to find the kind of uh, um, complementary skill sets. And I just want to give one example of that too, a much smaller example, but something that I'm kind of digging through and thinking about. And, you know, maybe I'll write about if it, if it occasions itself, but 
you know, obviously Nick Benino through early in the season was really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. And offensively, at least, in terms of producing. And his most common linemate was Kevin LeBanc. A very skilled player on his, on his own, uh, no question. But it just didn't seem like they had that kind of chemistry. They weren't they weren't creating a lot of chances together. You know, some chances, but not not a lot, and not and not not at the volume that you're hoping for when you when you when you look at oh we have Nick Benino, legit third line center who's won a couple Stanley Cups, has scored 20 goals in this league, uh, should be counted on for 30 or so points, can play on the power play, and with Kevin LeBanc, a guy that scored 50 points in this league, and you know should be kind of a in for about you know half a point a game or at least the skill level is there easily for a Kevin LeBanc but for whatever reason those guys just didn't seem to gel that I, that I could see mm-hmm. but now you have Nick Benino uh, with uh, with a uh, Noel Greger and that does have seems seems to have gelled I wrote a little, little bit about that today it's still very early with those two guys but you kind of see how Greger's speed and very direct game uh, kind of complements uh, 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 Nick Benino. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe Kevin LeBanc's game is maybe a little too deliberate uh, and doesn't really fit with 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 a Benino. Uh, whereas you've seen uh, Kevin have more offensive success uh, with a Jasper Weatherby than you saw uh, in total uh, than uh, compared to when uh, LeBanc was with Benino. And mm-hmm. so you know something about just different styles and and how they complement each other and I think that's very underappreciated that was very very underappreciated by also myself uh, when they put Middleton and Carlson together when they first did that I thought oh Middleton's just a filler for for Vlasic uh, or Kanijov when 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 he, you know if Kanijov was going to come back soon uh, or mm-hmm. early in training camp yeah um, so anyway, yeah. So that I think that that I think those are a couple of instructive things uh, for us all to learn from with uh, Jake Middleton. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, transitioning out of our lovely defenseman talk into some more defense talk, team defense specifically, because uh, it takes a whole team to win a game, and that's what the Sharks have been doing as of late. So we get into our fan favorite section or segment, I should say, the Sport Logic Stat of the Week. And Shang, you you kind of uh, usually we talk about something that we want to highlight. We come to a conclusion. You brought this up explicitly. You wanted to highlight this. I'm going to describe it really quick. Or I'm going to say what it is, and then okay, I'm just going to let you just take off with it. So uh, the Sport Logic Stat of the Week that we are highlighting for everyone this week is quality chances against and again this is at five on five or at even strength that's the most common uh, nomenclature that's used Uh, so the sharks right now are sixth in the nhl at 9.6 quality chances allowed per game so shang what does that mean it means that uh, they have played very good defense and they're not giving up a lot of scoring chances and I think we've used this stat before and I know I've used it in my articles but I want to repeat it because I think that this is going to be the most important barometer of whether or not the Sharks are a legit team that has a shot to make the playoffs and okay. I, I identified this stat like a, you know about 10 games into the season I wondered if it would continue and it, they have it has continued They've had poor defensive showings against Toronto uh, for stretches of time against uh, Chicago and Ottawa. So it's not like they are uh, they are a lockdown defensive team every single shift, every single period. But by and large, though, and we've seen good defensive efforts against very good teams like Carolina and Washington. So it's not like uh, it's not like it's not like they're they're just being uh, socked by good teams and taking advantage of bad teams. Mm-hmm. But I think if the stat continues, though, it, it speaks to, well, it speaks to, for one, uh, the job that Bob Bugner has done. And I'm actually writing a story about that right now. And uh, this is after the Islanders game. If you watch a press conference at all, I, wa- I, I asked I asked every player uh, about the Sharks team defense. And specifically with Eric Carlson and Bob Bugner, who were made available to us after the game. And because they've been around the Sharks for a while, I just asked them, just how proud they were of this team's transformation uh, from being a, a not very good defensive team, to put it kindly, uh, last year into one of the best in the league. 
And that transformation, a lot of it uh, has to do with Bob. It has to do with the players uh, buying into what Bob Bugner wants. And I think it really is a incredible achievement to basically turn a uh, a bottom five, I think, defensive team to right now uh, the sixth best in this particular stat. Mm-hmm. And the strength in this or, or being strong in a stat, of course, is, is very, very important because the less chances you give up, you give your goaltenders a better chance. And not shockingly... Um, You've had much better goaltending this year, be it from mostly from James Reimer and some from Aiden Hill. And so this will give the Sharks a fighting chance. They still have a lot of offensive problems, which which I'll get into some, some other day. But um, I've been very, very impressed uh, by their team defense. And, you know, speaking specifically since we're the aftermath of this Islanders game, uh, the Sharks were terrific against the Islanders defensively. They really did not allow very much in the Islanders. They had much better chances in the Islanders in total. And the Sharks deserved to win the game. But also was a Sharks effort that we haven't seen a lot over the last couple of years where they were both clearly better than other teams but also better defensively too. They were making it really hard on on, on the opposition to do, to do anything. You know, they were in control of the game basically, it felt like. Yeah. Suffocating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making it very, very hard uh, for the Islanders to to find any space on the inside to get a Mm -hmm. good shot from the slot. And in total, in the game uh, from Sport Logic, the Sharks had a 15 to 5 slot shots on net advantage. And 5 is not a lot. Uh, 5 against is not a lot. That's the whole game. The Sharks have given up that many in a period before. That's the whole game. Yep, that's the whole game. And so, uh, so. Very very impressive effort, and I think that I I, th- I think that 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 is uh, arguably the most promising thing about the Sharks team because um, it, sh- it 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 shows a team that is buying into what the coach wants. It creates a environment for goaltending to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of the past couple of years where. Yes, Martin Jones was bad, but Martin Jones was also an environment that he could only have succeeded in if he was Dominic Hasek in his prime or Andre Vasilevsky or somebody who is is carrying a team night after night. Yeah, uh, that's that's the defensive environment that Sharks had created for for him the last couple of years because they were bad defensively. Yeah, um, this year they've they've bought in, and a team that's bought in, that's committed, that's playing hard uh, defensively. And I just want to give give credit where it's due too. Just watch Eric Carlson play play defense this year compared to last year. He might be a little bit healthier this year. That's a big part of it. But his engagement, his urgency, um, is is really really uh, uh, light years above what it was last year. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter anymore if he's Eric Carlson of old, if he's you know if he's that good or not, because he's good. Yeah. You know, he's not you know, bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, so he's not bad anymore, <laughs> exactly. And so, so we're having this discussion again. It's the the question isn't 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 uh, uh, how bad is he or you know what's wrong with him. That's been the that's been the most common question, right? The last couple of years, what's wrong with Eric Carlson? Mm-hmm. So I think the question now is how good is he again? And I think that's an interesting debate that we can have some other time. But I just mm-hmm. wanted to give credit because I see, you know, consistently since he, since he's come back from COVID protocol, just that urgency in, in his game, in his defensive game. I don't care about the offensive stuff. And the offensive stuff obviously has been great too. And in this space, we've also given a lot of credit to Brent Burns and how Brent Burns has transformed his game into being a defense first guy. And I don't want to get into all the stats now because we've talked a lot about it. But, you know... Both of these guys, uh, you, you, when you think about the San Jose Sharks turning themselves into the best, one of the, the better defensive teams in the league, at least through through the 23 games of the season. And then you think, why well, they're doing this with Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, you know, two of the greatest offensive defensemen of their generation, but neither guy who is noted for being great defensively. And somehow they're 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 doing this, and it's because both those guys have bought in in their way. 
And like I, you know, like we said with Brent, you know, Brent's usage, uh, he's not, he doesn't get the offensive zone faceoffs anymore. He's playing mostly defensive zone faceoffs. He's become a shutdown pair guy with Mario Ferraro, and he's not complaining. He's doing it. They're you winning. know, Eric Carlson is more offensive still, but Eric Carlson, the urgency, winning puck battles, stepping in in front of a killing play, stepping in front of the opposition, using his assets that he still has, you know, using his feet, using his smarts to get in front of bigger, stronger guys. Um, anyway, so this statistic is also a reflection of both of those guys, those kingpins, those uh, future Hall of Famers. Um you know, buying in also. And I think that, that, that it is promising for the Sharks team. You know, don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but it, they're going to be really interesting. And they've, I, I think I'm starting to think that this is for real because, again, you know, these kind of 10-game sets, uh, you know, game 23 now, and they keep doing it. They have bad games, obviously, like the Toronto game. So they, you know, they're not perfect. You know, they're not the, you know, using the Islanders example, they're not the Islanders of last year where they're this team that's so good that they, they can be a, win a Stanley Cup just almost on defense, it seems like, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Sharks are that good. But this is also light years better hockey than we've watched uh, than the, over the last two years. Lightning, lightning years, light years better team hockey. Yeah. Right, uh, in terms of just commitment and uh, making sure that that sticks are in lanes, making sure guys are covered, things like that. Uh, just in general, uh, again, not a not a perfect team, but uh, uh, a, a way more committed team, a way more uh, a way more bought in uh, a team. And that's uh, that's great to hear. Honestly, you you see it on the ice; it's reflected in the statistics. And uh, I didn't have the Sharks being a defense first NHL team on my 2021 bingo card, so um, there's that. But um, well, Nick, I got I got to ask you as a Sharks fan, isn't it nice to 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 watch a Sharks team, Sharks game, and not hate the team? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's beyond nice. There, there's little plays. I don't want to get too much into it because we're we're coming up on. Uh, on our time here, uh, it's getting close to almost one o'clock already, and I still got to produce this puppy. But um, if if I can boil it down, it's just there's less mistakes, there's more correct decisions being made. They're buying into the process, they're trusting the process, much like the Sharks did with Jake Middleton, and you can just see that 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 fire, the fire's reignited. You know, you even look at like the cell the celly. The celebration after Eric Carlson scored that little like lion roar that he did at Timo Meyer, and then Timo Meyer Buster Posey picks up <laughs> Eric Carlson. There, there's there's a level of camaraderie that's back in that locker room. There's a a level of fight, and there's a reignited passion and fire that you see in this Sharks team. Even if they lose games, you still see it. There's, they play a full sixty. They're starting to get to the point. Some games, it doesn't seem like they do play a full 60. There's some periods where you're like, oh, okay, okay, the Barracuda were just out here. Get the Sharks out here now. Um, but to be able to watch it almost night in and night out has been a, uh, a, a sigh of relief, essentially. It's, it's nice to finally see a team going out there and leaving it out all, you know, leaving it on the ice. And they're, they're, like I said before, there are some times, like you said, they're not a perfect team. Um, but there are times where uh, when I want to pull my hair out, i.e. watching them on the power play. Um, but it, it's just good to see that competitive drive back in that team now. So, Well, you should listen to uh, Trevor, right? Uh, Trevor told you that yes. they were trying hard, and they're trying they are trying best, hard. <laughs> they, they, they're trying their best, Dad. It's like, yeah, you know Trevor, right. Trevor could tell. Yeah. He's got, a, he's, got a, he's got an eye for hockey. So. <laughs> Unlike, you know, me, he's been watching it since he was born. So, <laughs> all righty, folks, um, this has been a, a joy. It's been a late night special. Uh, it's It's been chock full of ups and downs. You know, this episode has definitely had a, its moments, but um, 
I like this one. I like this one specifically. I don't know. This one felt really good. It's good to talk about things involving what we're talking about and having good sustenance with this and having good sharks things to talk about. I did a whole podcast season last year where it was just, what do we do? <laughs> Whereas now it's, we have some good quantifiable uh, positive things to talk about in regards to sharks hockey on the ice. I went to every home game and I went to more road I'm games than so anybody sorry, else. Shane. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, at least you got to be the only reporter that witnessed Patrick Marlowe's record breaking game live. So the only Sharks reporter. So Right, and that might have been the, the, the only positive <laughs> <laughs> Yeah from last year. <laughs> All righty folks. On that one on that note, we're gonna pretty much end it right there. Um Really quick, uh, before we let you go, quick social media handle shout out. You can follow the podcast at SJ Hockey Now Pod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. You can follow myself on Twitter at NickFloor underscore and Shang. You can find me at Shang underscore Peng and find my work at San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sharks. I believe I'm supposed to be on TV uh, later, I guess, today too. So we'll see. I think that's that's on the docket. So look for that. All right, that'll be exciting. Unfortunately, I will be at work and then at a soccer game uh, after work uh, on Friday. So there's that. But um, just to close it off here for everyone, make sure you guys uh, take care of yourselves. Hug your loved ones. Life is short. You know, tell tell everyone that you love them. It takes one tiny little medical scare to kind of uh, open your eyes as to what's important. So... Make sure you guys stay safe and, of course, stay hydrated. Ooh.